0: Praise God. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people here today what they need from you. My desire is to lift Christ up, to honor Jesus Christ. I thank you for these dear, precious people, their desire and their hunger to to grow themselves spiritually and to worship and praise you in spirit and truth. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand, too, also for our Facebook audience, those online. God bless you. Come on, let's give them a hand. We welcome you here to Harvest. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Pray God's blessing over your life, wherever you may be at. Uh, I want to just continue in the series. We're a little late with time here, so uh, I'm going to whack the sermon in half. Amen. Yeah, you see, get to. uh But um, I want to read a scripture here. This is the second week in a series talking about the gray zone. And I kind of explained that last week. Have we entered in a season as the church as a whole that where God is requiring more from us uh, to stand up for truth? Um, and I subtitled this Hindsight is 2020. We've heard that statement before, and it's true. I mean, you know, like in life, that's so true. You know, especially in construction, when you do something and you look back at whether you poured concrete, and you go, "Oh, I forgot the re rod." Come on, somebody! You know, it's too late now. You know, it's it's like after the fact and it's done. You're like, "I should have done that." And so we have a perspective, and so even in 2020, it's the year that we are in. Uh, <clears throat> using that term, I really feel the spirit of God is asking us that if we want to know the answers for the day, wisdom dictates that we look in the past and how other things have happened in the past and how they crept in to nations and affected governments. And, and really, we've been talking about Romans chapter 13, uh, dealing with a, a government. And so uh, uh, what I mean by hindsight, things are, I just had this different, are obviously that, excuse me, in hindsight, things are obvious that were not obvious from the outset. One is able to evaluate past choices more clearly at the time than of the choice of the situation. And our text has been in Romans chapter 13. I really haven't delved into it because we've been talking a little bit, a history part. But I have, before, I, yeah, I read that last week, and, and this is our text, Romans 13. But I want to just quote a commentator. I'm going to try to do this each, each week here that brings a reflection and understanding of the context of these verses that Paul writes to the church. How many with me say Amen. But one point I want to make out here is in Romans 13.1. It says, from the King James, let every soul be subject under the higher powers. For there is no power but God. No power but God. I mean, he is supreme. Now he goes on to say, but the powers that be are ordained of God. And we're just like, well, okay. So then God created all the powers. And actually, the Greek word for ordained Uh, It actually is the word tassel. And in the Greek, it means to draw upon in order to arrange. Uh, It's actually a military term, bringing together, to order, to arrange, to put into place. And so one commentator, a, a theologian, he breaks this down and he says this. He said, Paul's unmitigated description of the governing authorities as the servants of God, in his ordering makes little sense in the context of the Roman Empire or the Hellenistic government. And we know only too well from history, since these words were panned, that it is simply not true of many administrations or governments of power. So he goes on to say, he says, God is not said to create or institute or ordain the powers that be, but only to order them, to put them in their place, it is not as if there was a time when there was no government and then God made government through a new creative intervention. There has been hierarchy and authority and power since humanity, since excuse me, human society existed. Its exercise have involved domination, disrespect for human dignity and real or potential violence ever since sin has existed. Now it is that in the Excuse me, nor is it that in his ordering of it, he specifically morally approves of what government does. Interesting point. The sergeant does not produce the soldier he drills. The librarian does not create nor approve of the book he catalogs and shelves. Likewise, God does not take the responsibility for the existence of the rebellious powers that be. Or for their shape or identity, they already are. What the text says is that he orders them, brings them into line, that by his permissive government, he lines them up with his purposes. That's a lot. Watch it, listening to it online. I'm not going to read that again. Just an interesting, deep commentator about the context of Romans when God's talking, when uh, the Lord's speaking through Paul about the powers that be are ordered by God. So last week, we talked about understanding the times. We use the illustration in First Chronicles 12 about the sons of Issachar, how the Bible says they were men that understood the times. And it's, it's not just having understanding of the Bible or knowing Bible verses. That's important. Amen, church? Amen. That's important. There should be some daily input in your life of the Word of God. Amen. Daily in our lives. That's not a condemnation, that's not a religious treadmill, no. That's just wisdom. We need the word of God to live off of, amen? But these men, they understood the times to know what do we do? In this season. And so we said that interpreting Romans 13 um, is context, and nowhere is this point more true than in in these verses. We said that often uh, Romans 13 is the go to proof text for urging compliance with and allegiance to government authority, as we titled last week's message, Unconditional Subjugation. And so today, I just want to briefly, in the few moments we have left, talk about some of the lessons and kind of continue on where we left off on uh, uh, last week. You know, when we talk about hindsight 2020, even in our judicial system and rulings, uh, how they interpret certain laws through the Constitution, they'll look back on past rulings and they'll say, you know what? So-and-so versus so-and-so back then. And and, and to help them uh, understand how the ruling was back then. So they use hindsight 2020. They dig back. And so last week, we took a look at uh, Hitler, and I just want to continue in the Romans 13 abuse, how he abused it, and actually how he captured a whole nation through deception. And he inoculated the Christians, the Protestant Christians at that time and the Catholics, to get away with what he did. And we kind of ended with this verse in 2 Timothy more than ever, this verse is appropriate for our day and age. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and one who correctly explains the word of truth. What people are looking for here today is clarity in this season. It's a crazy season. It's a violent season. It's a fear-filled season. People have opinions of flying around, and it is so divisive. Can I get an amen? Amen. It is such a device pitted, not just the world, but Christians against each other, and it just ought not to be. Uh, The Bible says, uh, another verse uh, to, to, excuse me, interpret this as one who preaches the word of God straightforwardly or accurately. You know, that's my heart. There are times that I make mistakes, or I bumble through things, but my heart is to preach God's word because I have to answer the Lord on behalf of what's spoken and what's not. If I avoid subjects, how many of you know pastors can avoid subjects they don't like? I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm going to, you know, and that's why I need your prayers, amen, for strength. I really, we, my wife and I, we need your prayers because uh, I'm going to speak the truth that I feel that God is, is, is shared with me to, to accurately teach God's word. How many of you know that that, that that verse right there means there are those that could innocently or ignorantly misinterpret God's word? I've done that. But there are some that do it deliberately, deliberately to deceive. Back in the 1930s in Germany, uh, old rare photo here of the German life back then and sitting at the table, having fun, and someone kind of remembered that and we was like, we'd like to kind of go back to that. You may know what I'm saying? You know, that time we just had fun and family could come over and, you know, people just hang out together and, and there was just that joyous time and then all of a sudden things changed. But here's the thing, people were unwilling at the time to criticize or debate the Nazi regime publicly. Possibly because out of fear for their lives and fear for their safety and their families, fear for their future and uh, numerous levels. But mainly, when, when Hitler came into power, it's possibly that, it, well, excuse me, uh, namely, it was more that the Nazis weren't after them at first. The Nazis weren't after them at first. The Nazis, watch this, protected the interests of the status quo, to win them. Oh, somebody needs to say amen at that. We hear a lot of that today. Uh, we have an election year coming up, just under about 50-something days here. And you know, it it's happens today. Political leaders will tell you what you want to hear to gain your support. And why? They look for power. See, Satan knows that he has no authority, no power over the Christian life. Can I get an amen? He does not. Only what you let him. Right? So you may be a Christian and addicted to something and and, and enslaved to something. He has power in that area that you're enslaved, right? Well, he knows that if he wants to sway people, he knows the way the system is set up that he has to be in positions of power to affect people, and he can do things and control the military and affect all of humanity as we looking back in light of what happened in Nazi Germany. So uh, we have that. But you know, here's the thing. How many know wisdom looks at the track record? Right? You say, you know, what are someone saying and what are they doing? How many know that's important? What someone says and what they do. What they say and they do in their policies. And do they espouse policies that even, I'm going to say this, even remotely line up with the word of God? <laughs> I mean, at, at this point in this nation, you know, there's still some out there as, as politicians and leaders. That, does it even remotely line up with God's word? And, and, and I'm talking left to right here. I'm just, 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 in, just in general. Or, you know, are they, as they use the term, are they just a, a political talking head? We need to not just listen. Listen to what they say, but what do they stand for? What have they done? Can I get an amen? That's a fact. That's true. I'm just talking wisdom here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a sidetrack right now, but I'm going to hit this hard because I believe we need to hear about it. Abortion in America is a major, major issue. Take abortion. <clears throat> Killing of babies in the womb, even up to the third trimester, cannot be the will of God. Okay, It cannot be. He just says, cannot be. So if someone espoused to it, even they may inside feel differently, something is wrong, okay? I just need to throw that out there, like it or not. And see, here's the thing. Hitler, he promoted abortion. He wanted certain races, the Aryan race, to thrive, and anyone that wasn't, they made it. And he said this. He said, he promoted abortion. He said he would shoot anyone that would identify themselves to try to stop abortion. He said, I'll shoot you on the spot. He promoted abortion. That is of the devil. Okay? Cannot be aligned with God's word. It's not. And you know, in in this area, this battle has been going on for over 50 years. I mean, uh, I remember, you know, they passed Roe versus Wade, 1973. And sometimes you got to pick your battles in this. And I remember being at Christ of the Nations in 1988, so it would be 15 years after that. And the courthouse there, I went with the school, and we went to one of the pro-life rallies there. And there was about 1,000 people. The news article said there was 200, and it was just all of that. And we were out there and standing up for life. And so there's just been constant battle, constant battle going on. How many with me? And, you know, it was, it was terrible. You know, I just thought something something interesting, too. This Jane Rowe, her name was Norma uh, 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 Convoy. Uh, she was paid to make that confession. I just looked this up. So I thought it was interesting. And she actually became a Christian in 1990 if you know that she was baptized, she became a born-again Christian, and she said that they exploited me to get this on the news, to get this. Ter- you gotta look up the history on this, and she actually died on her best bet, deathbed, and she said it's, it, it was all a lie. They paid me to do that, and it's not. She became a Christian, but but Satan used that, and 57 million babies are dead. We should think about that. 57 million preborn babies violently destroyed deny the most basic of all rights, the right to life. You know, our Declaration of Independence calls this an unalienable right. In other words, what does that mean? It is impossible to take away or give up. That's if you believe life starts at conception. All right. U.S. abortions last year, over 1,060,000. That's 2,900 per day. That's 137 per hour. That's three per minute. Abortions in America. Now, let's just personalize it to the state of Minnesota because this is where we live. And I was uh, asked to be on a, a radio station here actually. Uh, KXRA 1490 a number of years ago talk about this issue and when we did a march and we worked with the Catholic Church and a number a few other pastors and uh, uh, I was interviewed on this and since 1973 the state of Minnesota has aborted 5.32 million babies now here's some some good news good news in spite of this horrific thing Minnesota abortions in, in 2019 have gone down so that, that, that's, that's good. The number of abortions in Minnesota have leveled off at 9,922 in 2019, according to a report released by the Minnesota Department of Health, MDH. Since their peak in 1980, Minnesota abortions have fallen 48%. Okay. Amen. Amen. In 2019, the number is the fourth lowest since 1974. Amen. Amen. Okay, that's good news. Here's the thing. This is the thing, though, I have to take issue with. Of almost all the 10,000 abortions in Minnesota last year performed, rape and incest was the reason given for less than 1% of the abortions. Watch this. About 70% of women cited does not want children at this time. Or 21% economic reasons. What does that say? It seems to be abortion in America and in Minnesota is pure convenience. It's all it is. And, and so you so like, hey, I don't want this kid. Oh, I'm pregnant now. I don't want this. It's my right. And you know what? I want to go to college. This messes up all my plans. And I want to pursue my career. I just want this. I don't want this financial hassle. And there's an abortion. How many with me here this morning? All right. Nothing quiet. I'm against abortion. But you know what? I would support, watch some kind of state legislate state banning all abortions except in the case of rape and incest. And the reason why, because we could save over 9,900 babies in Minnesota. Start somewhere. And this is why we, we need to wake up as the church. We need to be people that are training our kids and not just think, go get your job, get your vocation, live your life. We need to rescue our society. We need to be involved in our community. We need to be involved in what's going on in the school board. We need to be involved in the civil. What's, you know, who's running the show? And we're finding out some crazy people are in power. All right, moving right along. So, and, and, you know, in 1976, Congress passed what they call the Hyde Amendment, which is a federal legislative providing barring the use of federal funds to pay for abortion, except in the life of a woman. And it's actually saved over 300,000 abortions. That needs to happen on a state level. That needs to really happen on a state level. Anyhow, I'm going to move on here. I just got a few more moments. One of the key things I want to say here is that this is the thing that just really shocked me when I began to delve in this. Protestantism was the primary religion in Germany and the Protestant church was viewed as one of the main pillars of society. We're not talking a nation that was Amoral. We're not talking a nation that didn't have Christianity in it. We're not talking a nation that had some false religion. No, there was Christians in the nation, and they were the majority. Interesting. There were many different factions of Protestant in Germany. These different factions and lacked uh, they 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 lacked a single central leader made Protestant easier for the Nazis to infiltrate than the, the Catholic Church. Now, some Protestants, they supported the the Nazis during the rise to power, but, uh, you know, they they were actually known as the German Christians. And so the Nazis, with the support of the German Christians, established the Reich Church under the leadership of Ludwig Mueller in 1933. Now, the Reich Church aimed to be a new national church which... Advocated a new form of Christianity, Nazi Christianity. And what it demanded was, they demanded they controlled what the preachers would say or do, and it demanded actually preachers to eliminate any teaching from the Old Testament because that was considered a Jewish document. Don't talk about it. Mm. You know what? Thank God, thank God, not everyone was willing to accept that new church. And a man stood up. And we talked about him last week, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he said, okay, well, okay, then if you're going to do that, then we're going to start our own church movement. And so he gets a bunch of his buddies together, and they start this thing called the Confessing Church, and, and they speak out. Now watch this, watch this, follow this. They speak out against the government, the ruling authority. They speak out against it. And actually, they actually have to go underground as a, as a church. And you know what they do, they start... They start a seminary, a training seminary to what, raise up a new generation of church leaders who wouldn't be indoctrinated by the insane, violent Nazism. They had to go underground to train men and women to understand through the word of God that this is not biblical. Wow. An underground seminary, you know. Why is that? Do you know, many in public school and the universities today They indoctrinate your kids. They indoctrinate your kids. Teachers unions get upset. Now the new thing is, is yeah, I'm really hitting stuff. Someone needs to say amen. 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 All right, yeah. It, they're mad, especially for the conservative parents to listen in on what's being taught because they might not like that, what is being said. And see, we have anarchy in the streets, and you wonder, many of these people have four, six year, uh, years of college you know, and, and education. And who's teaching them, and what are they teaching them? Can I get an amen? Uh, this may be kind of contrary to what you came to church here for, but I believe it's, it's appropriate for the time and season. You know, someone said the pen is mightier than the sword. Uh, We're seeing that today. Now, here's the thing. Not all teachers and educators think this way. There are many godly teachers, even in this, this room right now. They love God. They serve in the public schools. They love their students. They pray for their students. They care about, they're trying to make a difference. Thank God. We need to just give an applause right now for the teachers. I mean that. Thank you. You're on the front lines. You're on the front lines. We recognize that. And so I just want to encourage the teachers to be strong. Be strong in this. And you are making a difference. Those little kids are hearing. They see of your spirit. It rubs off on them. And it's a positive, positive thing. We need more parents to, to be teachers. Amen? And to affect the children. Just a side encouragement. You know what? If you qualify, run for your school board. Amen. Amen. You can you can have you can have say city council, maybe even mayor, run for that. Effect. and and some of you young kids, if you are undecided, let me just throw this out here and because I've seen it both ways and I have a son that graduated from university and military and, and then and then who daughter gone to secular college and, and, and um and, and well, my son, you know, both ways. If you're undecided and you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, don't get into college debt. Over your eyeballs, if you don't know what you're going to do, can I get an Amen. amen. Okay, just it's just it's just not worth it. Yeah. Now you're going to be a brain surgeon. How many of you know you need to, you know, spend the time to go do that? But if you undecided, g- learn a trade. Yeah. <laughs> we got a vocational tech school here that's top ten in the nation, and in some of learn a trade. I mean, we can't the construction industry can't even find people to work. Wow. Okay, they need someone to come in and fix something. Can't get anybody. I'm just throwing that out there. Boy, you didn't think come to church and hear this, did you? <laughs> but I'm preaching really good. Amen out there in Facebook world. Yes, you undecided. You know what? Learn something. Learn debt is unbearable. We want to be out of debt. Amen. So I'm almost done. 1934, the Confessing Church was founded, and uh, the Confessing Church openly opposed the Nazi regime and uh, regime and stressed the church's self-governing autonomy from political interference the right of self-government. Many of the pastors from the confessing church were imprisoned in concentration camps for their views and murdered by lethal injection or they were shot or they were starved to death. It's insane when I, you dig into this. There was actually a special barracks that was set up at Dachau Camp near Munich, Germany and they sent the clergymen there. So a lot of them followed Dietrich Bonhoeffer and they didn't, they didn't uh, stand for that and they went to, to a concentration camp and they died. Just let that set in. They just died. And they died, most of them died of starvation or disease. On April 9th, 1945, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, less than a month before the war ended, he was executed by hanging. That's actually his tombstone. Now, if you just read... If you just read Romans 13 at face value, you can see how well-meaning religious people would think this seems pretty straightforward, right? When you read these verses. You know, kind of like, hey, I guess the Nazi leaders, if they say, you know, this is what we need to do, the government's in power and, and, and it's probably right and we need to do what they say and, and we certainly really can't push back at all. I mean, the Bible says that governments reward those who do good and only punish evil. So Hitler's government must be right, right? Friends, that works. And it's one of the key propagandist movements in the whole Hitler thing to get a country of previously pretty sane people to go along with this train wreck of an idea. And so I bring up this thing in history with the Bonhoeffer story. And what I think we can, we can agree upon is, is this, is that even though this is one of the most insane, radical, extreme cases often used above governments of evil in all of our history. I understand that and I recognize that. I want us to bring us to a place of thinking honestly about this text for us today in 2020. Uh, We are having situations now that are real deal situations in, in, in the state of California. Churches cannot meet. They're being fined $1,000 just to meet. Fine. They have over $50,000. Courts ruling in the L.A. County saying, you can't meet, you can't gather, but strip clubs can be open. Come on, casinos can be open. and All these other things. And, and Jesus said, don't forsake the assembly. And we have national pastors saying, it doesn't matter if we meet. Come on, people. It's not right. It's not biblical. Even in communion, when you gather together frequently, when you come together, forsake not the assembly. So I don't know where they're getting their theology, but it is not biblical. That's right. Okay? The church is to come together. The church is to come together. You know, what happens in Taiwan is if they don't restrict them from, from coming to church. When they come against them, they just cut their tongues out and they send them back to the church so they can't talk. It's happening in the nation of Taiwan. Insane. And so stand with me, if you would, please, as we conclude. I'm going to throw up a verse right here in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And so when I talk about this gray zone, this is a season for us to be awake. This is a season for clarity. This is a season for Christians to not be wishy-washy. We need to be strong in the Lord, and you got to decide what side of the fence that you're on. Now, I'm not saying this is a season we pull out of swords. Please hear me, all right? Now, I'm going to just give you, I think, a, a, one of the biblical responses. Three young men, when they were faced, to, faced with a government order and how they handled it. Um, and then in Acts 5.29, where Peter and the apostles answered the authorities, and after they beat them, and they said... We forbid you to meet. We forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus. And they said, listen, we must obey God rather than man. Wow. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. We know the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they replied to King Nebuchadnezzar. So they came in in 605 BC. They were taken. All their family members were killed. And they hauled in about 10,000 of these, kinda, these, these, these Jews, And they took him as slaves. They renamed these guys. And he builds a statue, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he says this. I want you, as the music begins to play, everybody bow down and worship. Everybody. And if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you in a furnace. You're going to die. That's scary. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That's scary, you know. Do I stand or do I bow? Do I save my life? And, you know, it's It's fearful. But these young men, they said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, what? Then God, the God we serve is able to deliver us from you. And that's usually the word of faith. People go, yes, amen at that moment. But then it says this. And if he will not deliver us, come on. If he will not deliver us, they added that too. From your majesty's hand, watch how they address this. They're not disrespectful to him as a king. Come on, people. It was respectful. So I'm not advocating that. There was an honor there, but they were very clear in the decision that they made. They drew a line in the sand. They said, We cannot do this. We cannot do this. He said, But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, they go on again. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said respectfully, "No. We're not going to do that. We're not going to obey this, this law, this rule. And we're not going to go bow down and worship your statue." Why did they not do that? They were just being, you know, you know, agitators, or, you know, and all the other thousands of other Jews were willing to do that. No, in Exodus chapter 20, verses three or five, they knew, the Bible said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters beneath. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God. See, they had twenty twenty vision and understanding in that moment because of what Moses wrote. Come on, somebody. See, they, 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 they knew, you know, the command of God, no idols, no idols. So here's the thing we forget, that there were about 10,000 other Jews that were taken into captivity with them. But three of them were right, and 9,997 were wrong. And the question as we conclude here this morning is, I want to be on the side of the three. Can I get an amen? amen. I believe you do too. Every head bowed, please. You're here this morning, is it Pastor? I don't know where I'm at spiritually. I, I, I don't know, God forbid, if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven. You're not right with God. You need to get right. You say, what do I need to do? Join a church? Or you be a, in the membership role? No, 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 no. It's very simple. Bible says, repent and believe the good news. You have authority over your life. God's given you that. And you can decide who you will serve. This is not an intellectual ascent. It's an understanding that you accept Christ into your life. You receive him. You invite him to be Lord of your life. He you say, well, I've never really done that. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I will be saved. And some of you here this morning, you've never made that. You just kind of just thought, well, the big God up there in the sky and somehow, it, it, and it's called conversion. It, and we preach and teach that here that you need to be converted. And you're not joining this church, but you're joining the family of God. So I just want to encourage you in this moment. Say, Pastor, I want that. Let's pray together corporately. And if that's you, you just pray in there. And with that, and, and, and God will hear, see your heart and you can make your life right with God here today. Let's say this together. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Jesus, I give you my life today. Now take it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have material for you. We want to help you on your journey. Help you grow in your faith here at Harvest. And there are wonderful churches in this community and the surrounding community. But if you don't have a local church, we'd just love to pastor you and be, help you in your life. Uh, you can just uh, log on to there and find out more information. Amen. How many learned something this morning? Amen. Praise God. I'm really stirred. I'm really stirred for our nation. Really stirred for for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That The church comes through this valley of the shadow of darkness. And and we come through stronger. Stronger in our nation. Not fear-filled. Not cowling. Not hiding somewhere. But strong in the Lord. And righteousness and justice rule in our nation. Amen. I want to invite the altar workers to come forward. And and these are godly men and women. They're here for you, here to pray over you, to minister to you, all the altar workers. Uh, And I just want to encourage you if you need prayer, prayer for your family, prayer for business, maybe maybe even a prayer for healing, whatever it may be. These are these are safe people and uh, they're godly people and they're here to minister. The Bible talks about uh, uh, the ministry of the saints and in, in, in ministering to one another. And so I want you, just encourage you to, 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 you know, take advantage of this in their prayer here. Let me bless you as we go. Lord, I just thank you right now. I bless the people of God. I thank you for their heart and their attentiveness. I thank you that you are stirring people up, Lord, even in this community and the surrounding community. And Lord, word is out that, 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 Lord, you are alive and well, that you are not fearful and cowering. You are a great God and you're moving forward. The Spirit of God and the kingdom of God is not going down or under, but it's going to thrive and go forth even in the difficult season that we are in. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an overcoming church. It's an overcoming church. And we are overcoming people. And I just thank you. I bless the people of God as they go forth here today. Keep them safe. Protect them. Strengthen them. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for your attendance.